The following audio message by Dudley Hall is presented by Kerygma Ventures. More information is available at www.kerygmaventures.com. Well, glory. Hey, it's Dudley. Good to be back with you again. Well, we're in the middle of the summer here in Texas. It's nice and warm. I hope you're doing well. I know all that's going on in your part of the country as it relates to the uh, COVID-19, but uh, it's sure these are sure interesting times. And there are times when uh, none of it caught God by surprise. So uh, I'm, I'm so glad for his promise that he'll be with us, that he's with you. If you walk through the water, you walk through the fire, he's with you. And when he's with you and his name is I am, that is enough. Hey, let me uh, mention some things to you. First of all, some of you have not yet gotten this little book right here called Men in Their Own Skin. Now, I often have people ask, is that your is that your skin? Is that your back? Well, of course, my back is full of muscles like that. <laughs> no, I don't know who that is, but it's my book that I wrote because I care about men and I want men to understand who they are and not be ashamed that they are men, but not to uh, take that lightly. Uh, men need to mature. We don't need a bunch of more men acting like boys or boys trying to be men. So this is about men discovering what it means to be a real man, a spiritual man, and to be fulfilled as a man. So men comfortable in their own skin. So uh, get that and read it, use it as a teaching tool, build your, uh, build your small group around it. All that would be helpful. And we'll leave it right there to remind you to do it. So every time you look at that, reminded to order that. Uh, well, we, we have people saying, are y'all still in business? Are you still doing stuff? Of course we are. We have a wonderful wild man. Uh, the, uh, what's coming up next in, uh, September is the treasure hunt. This is the focus on, on the women. And th- these ladies have such a fabulous time. It's September 18 through 20. And, uh, people already been signing up for that uh, a year in advance. So you need to... If you want to come, you need to get signed up, and you will uh, you'll be blessed. Karis, Mayor Claire, a whole bunch will be there, and they they have a lot of fun. And God meets with those ladies, and they discover some real treasure. So, uh, all the ladies, and if you are a leader in your church, or even if you're not a leader, try to get several people from your church to come and come as a group. Uh, th- those are fun times. You can have some really good times with with those you bring. October two through four is our focus on a marriage and it's called beyond happiness because if all you're trying to do is be happy, you never will. But if you try to understand what marriage is about and what relationships are, you can be happy. It'll be a byproduct. So beyond happiness will be October two through four. Get ready for that. Then October 20 through 22 is our annual theological round table. We're talking this, this year about uh, communities of healing and how all that fits into the kingdom of God. Uh, that's by invitation only, but I just want you to know that it's uh, that we're doing it and we, we plan to keep on doing it. It's a wonderful time. Then we're doing something new this year we haven't done last two or three years. And that is we're doing a weekend with Dudley. You say, well, are you so egotistical? You just want everybody to come out? No, but I have people who go, look Dudley, you always bringing in all these other people to speak and whatever. Don't you have anything to say? And the answer is, yes, I do. And there's some things that I feel like God's been putting on my heart and putting together 
that are talking about how to live in the kingdom among us, which I'll be talking about a little bit today. And uh, I want to spend, I'll, I'll be the only teacher. Well, you know, unless somebody shows up that I won't, but I'll be the primary teacher. And it'll be a weekend where we delve directly, specifically, strategically into that whole issue of what does it mean to live in the kingdom among us? What does it mean to know God as uh, we as sons and he as a father? What does it mean to walk with God as a friend? What does it mean to work with God as a partner? What all does that look like? So uh, you need to go, you need to register for that. Uh, the lodge will fill up real quickly. And uh, so if you're going to do that one, the rest of them you can sign up. You can go online or whatever. If you're going to, if you're going to do the weekend with Dudley in November 6th through 8th, you need to call the office. That's the only way you can get registered for right now. Hopefully we'll get something on, on the website soon. But there you go. Okay. Uh, hey, this, this month I want to talk to you about... Uh, I had a hard time titling this one. Step into freedom is, I think, what I want to call it. Step into freedom. Uh, I'm always amazed at how many people, I think, misunderstand freedom. They think freedom is independence. It means I have no boundaries. I have no, no borders. I have, have no restrictions. I, I just do whatever I want to. That's freedom. No, no, no. That's called abandonment. That is not freedom. Uh, you know, I've often used this metaphor. If you were dropped in the middle of the ocean and, uh, you know, no, nothing in sight, and somebody says, you have freedom. Uh, you can go any direction you want to. Uh, that wouldn't be freedom. That would be scared. That would be uh, abandonment. You know, if you're dropped in the ocean, you'd want somebody to give you at least one direction. Go that way. There might be an island there out there. So, so freedom, the, the kind of freedom that the Bible talks about is not independent, no boundaries, no guidelines, no, no influences, whatever. It means that you're free from the bondage of meism, selfishness, the... Uh, the influence of wickedness, wickedness being about being selfish and not, not being how God designed you to be. So it's a step into what real humanity looks like once God liberates us from sin and all of its effects. So, uh, so that, that's what we're going to talk about. And if you have a have your scripture, you can go ahead and turn over to Philippians chapter two. Now Philippians. Uh, one of Paul's letters, and it, you know, it's all about joy because he's in prison writing about it, and he's describing this kind of life that is so different from the temporal, natural, physical, earthly life. And he's talking about the presence of this kingdom of God, that stepping out of the temporal uh, natural, physical, uh, limited, stepping out of that reality into another reality. You see, what had happened is after the fall of man, uh, there's this hope that develops based on the promises of God that there would come a day when another reality would invade the worldly reality, that heaven would come to earth, if you will. And so it was called the kingdom of God or the day of the Lord or the year of the Lord. It, it was called by many things. And so there was this hope 
that grew up in the Jewish community, uh, the Old Testament saints, that there would come another age, a new age, an age where things were different. And uh, this was the big hope. And so, uh, of course, they anticipated it to being a military, geopolitical type thing because that's the only way mankind thinks is in terms of the temporal, the physical, the natural, all of that. And so, uh, so Jesus shows up and he announces, he makes this great announcement. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand, he says. Whoa, that's a major deal that what you have been looking forward to and all of these promises and prophecies, it's now here and I brought it with me. It's, it's me, I'm the king, and I brought this kingdom with me. Now, because it's an invisible kingdom, eternal kingdom, spiritual kingdom. Spiritual does not mean it doesn't affect the physical. It means it's by, in essence and substance, it's spiritual. It's eternal. It's transcendent. It's not, it's not limited by your five senses. It's not limited by logic. It's not limited by human understanding. It is reality the way God sees reality. And so he says, I have brought that kingdom here. Now they misunderstood that because some of them thought, oh yeah, now, now we're going to take over and kick out all the Romans. and Now we're going to be rich. And now everybody in the world is going to come to Jerusalem and worship in our temple. And, so they interpreted in light of their, their understanding, but they were missing it. And, and so Jesus has to keep correcting them and saying, no, look, it's among you, it's here. It's invisible, but it's here. Now you see, there's something in all of us that knows that's true. There's something in all of us that ever since the Garden of Eden that's, that's wanted to get into another reality. The, the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, okay, all of us have thought, man, wouldn't it be great to go into the closet and find a secret door and you walk through that door and you walk to a whole nother world? That'd be fabulous, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, you go back Jack and the Beanstalk. Wouldn't it be great if you could find something you could climb and get into a whole nother world? Uh, so, uh, so there's something in humanity that knows there's another world bigger than, better than, greater than, more fulfilling than just the one we have, but we don't know. And so some have said, well, we got to wait. We got to wait till Jesus gets back the next time. We got to wait till we die, go to heaven. No, what Jesus said was, I brought it with me. You can experience it now in its, uh, in its essence, and then it grows as you experience it more until Jesus does come back again, and there's a culmination, there's a finalization. And, and it'll be in full bloom, but right now you can experience it. And so I don't know if, if you, you guys watched the, uh, the Matrix movies that were made several years ago. You, you may be too young for that, but, but, but it was an intriguing thing of that, that there's a reality that's among us right now and you can step into it. And when you become, when you step into that, it's a whole new reality, a whole new loss, whole, whole new boundaries and whatever. That's kind of like the kingdom of God. It's called by different things. Like John calls it eternal life or the life of the age to come, the life of the eternal. And so he describes it like this. Eternal life, John 17, 3, 
Eternal life is this, that you may know God and his son whom he sent. So, so this kingdom is a knowing of God at a level that's way, way deeper than, higher than, better than just the logical, just the observational. That you can know God, you can share God's life. Now let that sink in. God says, I will let you share my life. What kind of life does God have that he would be willing to share? Well, it's God, it's a, it's a community. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who uh, God is complete in himself. And he's, he doesn't need anything outside of himself. He delights, the Father delights in the Son, Son delights in the Father, Spirit delights in the Father and the Son. And, and there's this community. And so here is the great invitation. You can share in the life of the Trinity. Now you don't become part of the Trinity. You don't become a God. It won't be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and Dudley. No, it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit sharing that life with Dudley and with you. And then we get to share it with each other. So, so that is the perspective of the writing of the New Testament. So when Paul writes this letter from, uh, to the church at Philippi from Rome, uh, I mean, excuse me, from prison, he's talking about this life. That's why he's able to say in a prison, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. That's why he's able to start off and go, hey, I, I pray for you guys, I love you guys, I know y'all love me. I know that the God who started this whole thing in you is gonna finish it. Now, the circumstances would say, no, the doors have been shut. Uh, there's all kinds of problems. It looks like evil's going to win. No, 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 no. No, he said, look, I'm, I'm living on a, on a different level than, than you're talking about. And so, uh, so he writes that whole thing. Now we get to chapter two. And here, here's what it says. This is our text for the day. You ready? If then there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, have the same love, be in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but the interest of others. Let this same mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And then he goes into this great hymn, him, not him, him that the church had adopted. And here's what it says. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself and took the form of a slave and being born in human likeness, he was found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, given him a name that's above every name. So if the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, now don't miss that in the familiarity of it. Maybe you memorized it as a child. Don't miss what he's saying is, this is the life that God shares with you. He's given you that mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. You share that life. So you don't have to be limited by your own selfishness, by your own ego, by your own concern about what others think of you, about your own significance, about your own survival, 
you can be free to think beyond yourself of taking care of yourself. You can think of others. You can think of living for the glory of God rather than living for what you can get out of life. Because you see, as long as you're just limited, defined by this world and the reality that this world presents, you will be controlled by such things as fear of punishment. You'll live with a sense of, I know, you know, the other shoe is going to drop any minute because I haven't been perfect. And I've done some terrible things and I'm going to get punished. And, and so God's delay is just God waiting until he gets madder, I guess, or waiting until he can come up with more punishment. So, so you live with this fear of, of enjoying God or fear of giving your life away, fear that, you know, one of these days God's going to say, okay, I let you go long enough. You know, I don't know about you. My mother used to say, you know, I've had just about enough. And, you know, you, you kind of want to be a smart aleck and go, well, let me know when, you, when you've had enough and I'll quit. But some of us think that's the way God is. God's saying, I've had just about enough, but one of these days I will and you've got it. No, Jesus took all the punishment upon himself so that I don't have to fear punishment. God is not, punishment is not in your future if you have the life of Christ. Or, or what about fear of failure? Well, if you think that success is what brings you some significance or, or security, then uh, you, you can't afford to fail. And if you do fail, you can't admit it. And, and so there, there are lots of people who don't even try things because they're afraid they'll fail. And lots are li living under the guilt of, I did try and I did fail and I'm mean, I a failure. What, what about, uh, you know, the fear of rejection? We're, all, we're made to be, to be social people, to relate to each other. What, what, what about rejection? Are they going to finally discover who I really am and reject me? Is God going to finally discover who I am and really reject me? I can't. So you live with that fear of rejection. Now, you, deal, you take those three fears and put it together, and that creates a very unhappy, unjoyful life. And so what he's saying is, I have brought a life, a kingdom into your presence you can step out of that kingdom of fear into a kingdom of love. And when you do, you're able to do things that is what God intended for humans to do to start with. God intended for humans to live for the glory of God, to enjoy him and to subdue the earth in partnership with him. And uh, when God restores us in Christ Jesus, we again have that kind of capability, that kind of joy, that kind of relationship. So we, our, our creativity is free, our, our ingenuity is free, our, our ambitions are free. We're, we're able to be like God created humans to be. And so he describes all, all these things in here like uh, put others ahead of yourself, uh, in humility, regard others better than yourself. Don't look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Uh, so, I don't know about you, but I used to hear texts like this talked about in Sunday school or in church. And, and I just thought, oh man, he's asking me to do hard things. In order to do these things, in order to please God, I got to do these things. So I saw the New Testament more as a new level of instructions and laws and requirements. And God saying, okay, if you want to be a good boy, you got to do all this. 
well, I thought I was being a good boy by not getting drunk and not sleeping with girls and, you know, not doing criminal things. I mean, isn't that good enough? No, he said, you got to quit thinking about yourself so much and you got to put other people's interests ahead of yours. And, and it's like, whoa, I don't know. The more I do, the more God raises the bar. So I don't think I'm ever going to get it. So I'm just going to kind of settle in here and maybe he'll, he'll have pity on me. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, you really didn't have a passing grade, but I'll, I'll pass you anyway. You're, you're pitiful. Well, that's, that's not the truth. That's not what, that's not the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is he has brought his kingdom into our midst and you can step out of it and step into a new world where there is no fear of failure, no fear of punishment, and no fear of rejection, where there is love. Now, I, I love this part right here. It says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, well, do you think there might be? Well, like all in the world, all in the universe, uh, it's the same word for, for the, the, that's used, comforter, uh, the parakletos, uh, so he's saying, if there's, if there's any of the life of the Holy Spirit in you or in Christ, if there's, any, if there's any consolation of love, what's he saying? Did, did you get a new concept of love when you came to know Christ? Did you find out that God, God through Christ loves you even though he knows you? He knows everything about you, everything in the past, everything in the future. He knows all the sea. He knows all, and he loves you. How much? Enough to give his life for you. He, he totally loves you, unconditionally, eternally. If there's any consolation from love, if there's any sharing in the spirit. In other words, do I have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? Is there any sharing? Do I, do I, do I get that? Well, yes, he said, you do. Because that, that's all a part of the life that you share. That's yours. So you get to walk through this door and you walk into this reality where you are now sharing the very life of God. And as you do that, you begin to find out that, that he has given that life to you and now you can express that life. So how does that work? He goes on down here, uh, verse 12. I, I think I stopped while ago when I was reading. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so what Paul's saying is, I was with you, but now I'm not there. You can do the same thing when I'm not there as when I was there. And here's the way it is. You work out your salvation. Now, I know some people say, well, I see it. There you get there. You got to work for it. No, he didn't say work for it. He said, work it out. It's already been given to you. Now work it out. Move it from the inside your bosom to through your whole life, through your thinking, through your feeling, through your choosing, through your singing, through your working, through your relationships. Let it flow out. Work it out. So how do you do that? Well, he is living in you to empower your choices. So now when you choose to do something, he empowers you to do it rather than you being like Paul described in Romans 7 where he said, I know the right thing to do, but I can't get it done. 
and I know the things I shouldn't do, but I wind up doing them. And, and so my will is not strong enough. I, I, I can't just live by willpower. I, I know what's right. I know the law is good and I should do that and I should love people and I should put people ahead of myself and I shouldn't be worried about what people think about me and I shouldn't be greedy and I shouldn't be lustful and I shouldn't be angry. I, I know all of that. I know all of that. And I don't need another sermon telling me what I ought to do. I just can't do it. He said, no, no, no. In this new reality, this new kingdom, God is at work in you to will and do his good pleasure. So what's my part? Okay, God, I know that's right. I know that's the life there. You've told me that I have the capacity and the ability to put others ahead of myself, to esteem others more highly than myself, to, to live for others rather than myself. I have that capacity, but that's not natural. And when I choose to do it, I always kind of seem to get back in the way. I'm acknowledging to you that that's where I choose to live. And I'm asking you to empower my will and show me how to take steps to release that. So you and God are partnering together in your transformation. So, uh, so it's not a matter of I'm trying to reach up to a standard or that God's waiting until you accomplish something. No, he said, look, I came to live this life with you. I came to do it with you. I'm with you. And I've given you my mind. I've given you my life so you can, you can get this done. So it's a matter of implementing what, what God has already put, put inside of you. So, uh, so, so what, what, what about us today? What, what, what is, what, what do you long for? What, what, what do you, what do you wish you had? Well, to be honest with you, there are days when I have felt, you know what? I'm tired. I'd like to just get out of here. And I was reading in Psalm uh, 55 where he said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I'd fly away in the wilderness and find my rest. There, there are days where I was like, yeah, just give me some wings. I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, that's not what's really in your heart. You don't want to escape the trouble. You want to be able to embrace the trouble and see God in it and discover a depth of God in the middle of that trouble that you didn't know before. Because after all, you'd rather know him and his depth than, you'd, than you would just be free from trouble. That's true. That's, that's your nature. Uh, so uh, those who are touting, you know, just, you know, one of these days, he's going to hopefully soon he'll get us out of the trouble. No, Paul said this. He said, uh, I had a lot of stuff going for me. I was a Jew and I was a Benjamite and I'd been circumcised right and I had the law and I, I, was, I was kept the law. Where I did all these good things, but that means nothing. I have one goal. I want to know him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformable to him in his death. That's in your heart. That's what you want too. That's the life that you share. So you might as well get at it. Which means when you find yourself falling back into those old patterns of putting yourself first and thinking about yourself, wondering what other people are thinking about you, measuring yourself by some standards, when you find, find yourself doing all that kind of stuff, throw all that stuff away. It's like, no, look, I stepped through the door. I'm into a new reality. I'm into a new world. And this new world 
is God sharing his life with me and empowering me to both choose and to carry out this life that's in me, this thing, of this, this life that pleases him. So, so I, I, I don't, I don't want to get away. I don't want to, I don't want to escape because there are going to be lots of people in my path and in your path they are going to need to know somebody who's walked through trouble before and found God to be faithful. You see, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to follow somebody who's never had trouble. I don't want to follow somebody who's never known what it is to cry, to hurt, to question, because you see, they can't identify with me. I'm so glad that our high priest, Jesus, became a man so that he could know what it means to feel abandoned, to feel rejected, to be lied about, to be hungry, to be thirsty, to not have a bank account. And, and he knows exactly how I feel in every situation, and yet he's a faithful high priest who said, you know, I'll, I'll take care of you. We need some flesh and blood people like that as well. We, we need some fathers in the faith, some grandfathers in the faith who have been through suffering and suffered well so that we can look at them and go, tell me how you did that. And they can tell, testify to us of the sufficiency of God in every situation. So, so this life that we have, this stepping into freedom, uh, there's another text that I won't get into big today, but just to re reference it. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we've concluded this, that one died and he died for all that no longer should we live for ourselves, but for him who loved us and died for us. The greatest liberation you can have is to be free from meism, free from living for yourself, trying to fulfill your own dreams. Hey, it's okay to dream, but God's dreams for you are bigger than yours. His visions for you are bigger than yours. Let God give you his dreams. Because he envisioned someone who is living beyond trying to make their own kingdom, trying to make their own name. He envisions real freedom. And so Jesus died to set you free from you, from the fallen you and to release the real you, the restored you, the you that's sharing the life of Christ, to release that person, because that person will live in joy, fulfill, and be effective in the kingdom of God. That's what it means to live with the kingdom of God among us. And as you do that, the commands of the New Testament are just uh, invitations to enjoy a new aspect of life. So we're told to forgive, to love one another, uh, submit to each other, be hospitable. All of those 30-something commands, as we're told to do that, we don't see them as obligations. No, these are just invitations to discover something else about the life of Christ that I have, that I share with him. And there, it is such a treasure, the treasure of, of sharing his life. So there you go. Step into freedom. Uh, you're probably not going to find a door in your closet to get into uh, Narnia. And you're probably not going to find a beanstalk outside the house. And you're not going to find the wings of a dove to fly away to the wilderness. But you know what you can do? You can step out of, of this world, world's limited reality, and into the other world while you're living in this world. 
That's God's invitation to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you've worried about will be added to you. Got it? Okay, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for loving us enough that you are willing to share your life with us. That, that's unthinkable. It's way beyond normal that you would share your divine life with us. So I thank you for that. Thank you for making, thank you for coming, Lord Jesus, and bringing your kingdom with you. And so for the times that we have moaned and complained and criticized, we repent. Thank you for being sufficient every day of our life. And I pray, Lord, that you would help every person here to hear the good news and what we've talked about today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've enjoyed getting to visit with you. Till next time, this is Dudley Hall with Kerygma Ventures. See you then. Thank you for listening to this message by Dudley Hall from Kerygma Ventures. Additional copies of this resource, as well as a wide range of discipleship materials, is available from our website. You may make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Dudley Hall or Kerygma Ventures, please visit us online at www.kerygmaventures.com. That's K-E-R-Y-G-M-A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S dot com.